Welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, everybody, welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. We've got a lot to get to. Yes, Ilya Sorokin is here. He has arrived in the United States at JFK International Airport. We will have the latest on his arrival and what it means for the New York Islanders. Also, we have got more information on the Islanders as they prepare for their playoff series against the Florida Panthers. By the way, one week from today, Islanders, Rangers, preseason game up in Toronto. The countdown to the season now or to the playoffs really getting close, and that is very good news for Islander fans. We have our Islanders' birthday of the day and an analysis of the coaching matchup coming up in this playoff series Barry Trotz and Joel Quenville, two of the better coaches in the National Hockey League, and it should be a very, very interesting series from that perspective. All right, if you have a topic, a question, something that's on your mind that's Islanders-related, please send us an email, the email address, LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com, and we are happy to talk about whatever it is that's on your mind. Send us your name and where you're from, and we're happy to mention you on the air when we discuss your question or topic. You could follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Isles, and you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter. The Twitter handle is Ice Wars N Y R V S N Y I, and we'll keep you up to date on all the latest news and happenings concerning the New York Islanders. All right, so. The big news yesterday, Ilya Sorokin has arrived and is in North America, and that is excellent news, uh, sighted at JFK Airport, and now the question just becomes, he has to quarantine and prepare himself to uh, join the Islanders organization, and the big thing is, uh, the question, you know, whether or not he can travel with the team to Canada or he has to remain in the United States. There will be a question about that depending on the status of his visa. We will keep you up to date as soon as specific information becomes available. But at the end of the day, he is here. He could start working with the Islanders coaches. He can start uh practicing with his teammates once he is free from the quarantine, and essentially the process of acclimating Ilya Sorokin to Long Island, 
the Islanders, the United States, North America, NHL hockey, all of those things that are quite important for the future of the New York Islanders, that has all started, and that is very good news for this organization. Look, right now we know that Ilya Sorokin is not going to be uh, on the ice playing hockey for the Islanders in this year's playoff or play-in situation. As deep as the Islanders may go in this year's Stanley Cup playoffs, Ilya Sorokin will not be able to participate uh, for the Islanders this year. However, the good news is that now it really, this allows the Islanders to start the process. And make no mistake about it, it is a process. And look, the season, next season when he is eligible to play with the Islanders, that will be, you know, starting on or about December 1st. And that has to be the goal for the Islanders. They have to say that whatever they do between, you know, now, July 22nd and December 1st, they have to prepare Ilya Sorokin for life in the National Hockey League. And you know they want to have him on the NHL roster come the fall. Look, Tomas Grice will be an unrestricted free agent at the end of these playoffs. And now that Sorokin is signed and Sorokin is here, the odds of Grice returning to the Islanders next year are very, very slim. And from a cap perspective, Sorokin has a $2 million deal to play for the Islanders next year. That is a little bit of a cap savings over what they've been paying Grice. And it allows the Islanders to have a goaltending duo of Varlamov and Sorokin. You get the feeling Varlamov starts next season, again, assuming everybody's healthy, etc. Varlamov starts next season as the number one goalie, or maybe they split time. And then as the season goes on, as Sorokin becomes more comfortable playing in the NHL, living in North America, gets to know his teammates better. Um, once he makes those adjustments and feels more comfortable, you get the feeling that he may be able to turn things around a little bit, maybe challenge Sorokin for uh, a challenge of Varlamov, rather, for that number one goaltending position. And that will be Certainly an interesting thing going forward. And then, you know, a, a number of people have mentioned that if Sorokin is as good as advertised, maybe the Islanders start thinking about the possibility of buying out uh, Varlamov down the line, whether it's not next year, but the year after to save some cap space, because we all know that the Islanders' long-term cap situation is not an easy one. And somehow, some way, uh, we know that Lou Lamorello has got to find a way to free up some valuable cap space in order for the Islanders 
to improve this team going forward and to take that next step to becoming an elite contender in the Metropolitan Division and the National Hockey League. All right, the Islanders were again on the ice yesterday preparing. They practiced in two groups yesterday. Uh, group one, the forwards, Bailey, Barzal, Beauvillier, Brassard, Sezikis, Clutterbuck, Dalcole, Eberly, Ross Johnston, Tom Cunackle, Ladd, Lee, Martin, Nelson, and Pajot. The defensemen in group one, Boychuk, Dobson, Green, Hickey, Grant Hutton, Letty, Mayfield, Pellick, Pulak, and Taze, both Grice and Varlamov practicing as part of Group 1. Meanwhile, in Group 2, Bellows, Koivala, and Wallstrom. Sebastian Ajo uh, was the lone defenseman in Group 2, and the AHL goaltending tandem of Christopher Gibson and Jakob Skarek were the uh, goaltenders in Group 2. Leo Komarov still... Not on the ice and unavailable, but at the end of the day, those are the lineups that the Islanders had in practice. And overall, again, something there uh, to look forward to. All right, time for our Islanders birthday of the day. And we're going to go back to uh, the Islanders' first two seasons and wish a very happy 76th birthday to Jerry Desjardins, who was the Islanders' number one goalie in their very first season and who split time, more or less, with Billy Smith in their second season of 1973-74. Desjardins is a native of Sudbury, Ontario, broke into the NHL with the LA Kings in their second season of existence, then went to the Chicago Blackhawks, played with the Islanders, headed over after the Islanders to the WHA for a season with the Michigan Stags slash Baltimore Blades. Uh, that team folded midseason. He joined the Buffalo Sabres and was a part of their run to the Stanley Cup Final in 1974-75. Finished out his career with Buffalo in 1977 78. So two years with the Islanders. I'll tell you, Desjardins was a quality goalie who faced a heck of a lot of shots during his two years with the Islanders. Look, the Islanders were an expansion team and they didn't have the greatest defense. The numbers not necessarily pretty for Desjardins. 80 games over two seasons with the Islanders, 14 wins, 52 losses, 9 ties. A goals against average of 4.01 and an 8.81 save percentage with the Islanders. And we're going to go back and take a look at one of his better games for the Isles. November 22nd, 1973, Islanders and the Detroit Red Wings facing off at the Nassau Coliseum. 11,213 fans on hand to root on the second-year Islanders in this contest. And the Islanders got on the board first. Ernie Hickey got his third from Lorne Henning and Billy Harris at 8.08. By the way, the goaltenders in this one, Terry Richardson for the Red Wings, and, of course, Jerry Desjardins 
for the Islanders. So Hickey gives the Islanders the one nothing lead at 8.08, but the Red Wings equal it up. Nick Libet, his 12th of the year from Bill Collins and future Hall of Famer Marcel Dion at 14.15 after 20 minutes. It's a 1-1 hockey game. The Red Wings took the lead early in the second period with Dennis Potvin in the box for elbowing. Ace Bailey, who later tragically died on 9-11 in one of the planes that hit the World Trade Center, he got his fifth goal. Again, Marcel Dion with an assist along with Guy Charon at 2:32. Isles trailed by a goal, but that didn't last long. A little more than five minutes later, Gary Howitt evened things up for the Isles. His second, the Isles checking line of Howitt, Nystrom, and St. Laurent on the ice with Nystrom and St. Laurent getting the assist at 7:44. 2-2 hockey game, but Later on in the second period, with Tim Ecclestone of Detroit off for hooking, Bill Collins gets an unassisted shorthanded goal at 16:21, and after 40 minutes, it's Detroit 3, the Islanders 2. But the Islanders dominated the third period. Lorne Henning equaled things up just a minute eight in. His fifth from Jean Potvin and Ernie Hickey at 108. Then Ernie Hickey, his fourth. Second of the game, fourth of the year from Billy Harris and Lorne Henning at 14.30. And Craig Cameron puts the icing on the cake with his second goal of the season. Ralph Stewart, the assist at 18.27. For Desjardins, his first win of the year, he made 20, uh, 19 saves to earn the victory. Islanders out shooting the Red Wings 33-22, including... 10-5 in the first period, 12-6 in the third. Multiple point games for the Islanders. Well, Lorne Henning, a goal and two assists. Ernie Hickey, two goals and one assist. Two helpers for Billy Harris. As far as the plus-minus was concerned, Jean Potvin, Burt Marshall, Lorne Henning, Ernie Hickey, Billy Harris, and Dave Lewis, all plus twos. Shots on goal, six. For Dennis Potvin to lead the way, Dave Lewis added four for the Islanders as Jerry Desjardins gets his first win of the 73-74 season for the Islanders. They beat the Detroit Red Wings by a final score of 5-3. It was the third ever win for Al Arbor as Islanders coach and a big one at that as this team gaining confidence, you know, in their first season, the Islanders had only 12 wins in 78 games, uh, 12 wins and six ties. Meanwhile, they were already 3-8-7. and seven. So points in 10 of their first 18 games in that second year under Arbor. And what Al Arbor really did that was so effective was cut down on the goals against. From their first season to their second season, they literally cut down the goals against by 100 because Al Arbor was that good of a defensive coach. So once again, happy 76th birthday to original New York Islander, Jerry Desjardins. And uh, we wish him all the best uh, as he is our Islanders birthday of the day. All right. For those of you uh, who follow Twitter, the Islanders, some nice pictures of Ilya Sorokin as he landed at JFK Airport yesterday, posing with some uh, police officers 
at the airport, and that is, of course, uh, a great sight to see as as the Islanders' uh, newest goalie has reached the Big Apple, and it is, again, great to see the white whale here. And the other thing that I've been thinking about again, uh, you know, Rangers, Islanders, the Islanders now have Sorokin here, uh, a very young, talented Russian goaltender, and the Rangers have Igor Shosturkin, who had a very, very strong rookie year for the Rangers. I get the feeling this is going to be quite the addition to that Rangers-Islanders rivalry. It's going to stir the drink at another dimension. And look, unfortunately, you know, great goaltending has not always happened side-by-side in the Rangers-Islanders rivalry. Uh, You know, you had a Hall of Famer in Eddie Jockerman early on in the rivalry for the Rangers. The Islanders did have Billy Smith at that time, but he hadn't yet developed into the great goaltender he was yet going to become when Smith was in his prime. Yeah, John Davidson had that one great year in 1979, but never really stayed healthy and was unable to create a great goaltending rival. And for most of Billy Smith's career, the uh, the Rangers went through a lot of different goalies, whether it was Gilles Graton, Doug Sotart, John Davidson, Glenn Hanlon, Eddie Mio. They went Steve Baker. They went through a lot of different guys. Uh, then, you know, the Rangers ended up with Mike Richter, who, you know, didn't quite make the Hall of Fame, but when he was there, you know, the Islanders didn't always have the greatest goalie. So it it sort of went back and forth, but now the possibility of a goaltending rivalry interjecting itself into the Rangers-Islanders rivalry, uh, to me that is a great thing, and the fact that they're both, you know, Russian goalies is going to be adding even more spice to it. So, uh... Looking very much forward to seeing how that rivalry will develop over the next couple of years. Don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but I think it will be a positive thing for the rivalry. Meanwhile, look, you've got a great coaching matchup in this upcoming series between the Islanders and the Florida Panthers. We all know what Barry Trotz can do what he has done for the New York Islanders. Really took a team that was treading water uh, for a long time under Doug Waite and uh, a number of other coaches before that and turned that into a team that really survives because they play his system and play excellent defense-first hockey. So, look, uh, overall, he's been great. And now Joel Quenville uh, taking over with the Florida Panthers. Quenville, in his time with the Blackhawks, for example, nine playoff appearances, three Stanley Cup finals, also lost a couple of times in the conference finals. He has 18 playoff appearances before this season. 
depending on how they do the playoff, you know, play-in round, if the Islanders win, I'm not sure whether or not this would be officially considered Quenville's 19th playoff round. But here is a guy who, you know, has won more than 900 NHL games behind the bench. Uh, and you know, like I said, this would be his 19th playoff appearance as a coach. Not too many coaches even last 19 seasons. And, you know, Quenville has coached the Blues, the Avalanche, the Blackhawks, now the Panthers. And he is, without question, one of the better coaches in the modern NHL history. And, you know, he has won the Jack Adams Award as Coach of the Year, as has Trotz. And, you know, the fact that Quenville has a lot of playoff coaching experience, he's been doing this since 1996, and I think that adds a dimension when you've got a, a coach who has won Stanley Cups and been effective in that role. I, I, I think that is a very positive thing for the Panthers. And Trotz always gives the Islanders a big advantage against a lot of other teams. And yet it becomes a question of, you know, Quenville is probably close to an equalizer uh when it comes to coaching the Panthers. But here's the thing. All season long, Quenville has not been able to get the Panthers to play good defense. And he has not been able to get the best out of their goaltender, Sergei Bobrovsky, who had a very disappointing year this season for the Panthers. And can Quenville, this is a huge question, in this playoff series, can Quenville get the Panthers to change their style enough to win in play playoff style hockey? One advantage for the Islanders, I think, overall, when you look at the playoffs, a lot of teams, you know, they'll play a more wide open style during the regular season. You get into the playoffs and they have to tighten up, be more defensive oriented, tighter checking. It's an adjustment. The Islanders play a playoff-style hockey all year round. And that, I believe, will be an advantage for them in the playoffs where the Panthers have to make adjustments to their style of play. Now, look, if any coach can help them do it, it's Joel Quenville. But the Islanders don't have to really change their style all that much. And here's another thing that I have discussed with a number of other people covering the team. Playing a playoff style, like Barry Trotz asks the Islanders to do, and winning a lot of games 2-1, 1-0, 3-2, that is exhausting. It is physically more taxing to be a tighter-checking defense-first team and win low-scoring games than it is to play firebrand, wide-open hockey. And... Over the course of an 82-game season, one of the potential drawbacks of a Barry Trot style is that it can wear you down physically. One good thing about this lengthy layoff is that the Islanders will be rested. They will be back 
and rested. They will not be physically exhausted the way you are after the grind of an 82-game season and then start the playoffs. And the fact that they will be fresher and playing a familiar style, I think, will be an advantage for the Islanders once the playoffs actually get underway. But the coaching matchup should be a darn good one, and I am looking forward to seeing how Quenville and Trotz match lines, how they match strategies, and what happens once this series gets underway. That wraps up this edition of Locked On Islanders. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NHL for a league-wide perspective on the National Hockey League. Stay safe, everybody. Remember, we are one day closer to the return of hockey. And, of course, let's go Islanders.